This is Animals Voice podcast presented by the Ontario SPCA with 50 communities working together for animal welfare. We've got another great show for you on the way, so put your paws up, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Animals Voice podcast. I'm your host, Kevin McKenzie, and excited to have two special guests with us. We're on Skype this week, so bear with us if we have any technical uh, issues or, or strange sounds, but uh, we're still very lucky to have Dr. Peltier and Dr. Ritzy. They're veterinarians from Royal Kenyon, Canada. Welcome. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for having us. We are thrilled to have you. And uh, I guess the first thing that I want to highlight is that we're going to be talking about pet nutrition this week on Animals Voice podcast. And uh, who better to talk to than than, uh, than you guys about this? So thank you again for joining us. I think I'll kick things off by asking, how long have you been involved in pet nutrition? And, and how long have you worked for Royal Can in Canada? I'm Joanne, Joanne Pelche, and I've been involved in pet nutrition ever since I became a veterinarian in private practice over 30 years ago. And it was actually my thirst for pet nutrition knowledge that was the trigger for me to leave practice and to work in the pet food industry. And I've been with Royal Canin now for over 20 years. Wow. And I'm Dr. Sarah Ritzy. I've been a veterinarian for eight years. I worked in private practice for three years, which involves making nutritional assessments and recommendations every day. Uh, and I've been with Royal Canin since 2010. Nice. Excellent. Well, thank you for uh, being with us. And, and I think what most people obviously wonder about when it comes to nutrition, um, when it's humans, you know, we can go out and get a one-a-day vitamin or some, some sort of uh, vitamin supplement to help us out. But for our pets, what do we do? I mean, are there are, what kinds of nu- nutrients are essential to cats and dogs? Well, that's a great question. Um, there are almost 40 nutrients which are considered essential for dogs and almost 50 nutrients which are essential for cats. Most people just think of the five or six that are top of mind, such as protein and fat and carbohydrates and maybe vitamins and minerals, but there's a lot more than just those five or six. The nutrients are also important to be consumed in the appropriate amounts. So people think, oh, I have some protein and I have some fat, but it's not just having it, it's having it in the appropriate amount. And that means not too much and not too little. And this is in order for animals actually to survive. And I will precise that those amounts are different between cats and dogs and also other species. So some people say, well, as a human, I need this amount, so that must be what I need to give my cat or dog. And that is incorrect. Now, having said that, there are also hundreds of nutrients which may not be considered essential, but are proven to be beneficial. And at Royal Canin, what we do is what we call health nutrition. And that's really the science of balancing essential nutrients and beneficial nutrients in order to enable the animal to, to thrive instead of just surviving. Okay. And, and does that animal's lifestyle, whether they are an indoor versus outdoor cat, for example, does that also alter what those essential nutrients are for that particular animal? Absolutely. And that comes to choosing not only the appropriate nutrients, but where that might affect more is the amount. So, for example, an animal that is outside, that is kept in the in the winter in a kennel outside and needs to thermoregulate, meaning keeping his body warm, mm-hmm. will need a lot more calories or energy than uh, a dog that's... Uh, uh, 
being uh, uh, the, the mat in front of the fireplace, for example. Okay. So lifestyle, uh, age um, are, are certainly things that will affect the appropriate amount of uh, nutrients. Okay. As I'm in uh, the pet store trying to choose what food to feed my cats or my dogs, I always see different ages listed. So I, uh, you know, I have an understanding or a baseline understanding that at some point my animal becomes a senior. <laughs> and and tell me about the importance to feed uh, my pets senior food uh, and you know a different diet than when they were younger. Absolutely. As animals age, changes occur in the body. So internal organs start to slow down. We know that arthritis can develop, dental disease can progress. This is something that we notice in ourselves as well as in our animals. In addition to some of these signs that we can see happening, we know that the longer you're alive, the more exposure you have to things such as UV light, pollution, and inflammation just associated with getting older. These things can cause damage to our cells by creating reactive elements that are called free radicals. So when we see senior foods, these need to be tailored to support the aging body system so that it's easier for the body to digest and to metabolize the food. Many senior formulas will also have nutrients, including EPA and DHA, which are anti-inflammatory omega-3 fatty acids. These can help alleviate arthritis and other inflammatory conditions in the body. And we'll also see uh, formulas with increased levels of antioxidants to help neutralize those free radicals in the body. Okay, so you just got into some very specifics, which is great. It segues well into the next question I had. You, you've explained, uh, you know, a, a bit already to me about things I'm, I'm going to be looking for when I'm out there buying my cat food or my dog food, but can you can you expound on that a little further? I mean, what, what should someone look for in the food they're purchase, purchasing for their dog or their cat? Well, pet owners often gravitate to the ingredient deck of a food to help them determine if it's good or not. And unfortunately, simply looking at the order of the ingredients and which ingredients are there and which ingredients may not be included in the food does not really help the owner understand the quality of the food or the nutrients that are provided to the pet or even what health benefits they might see from feeding this particular formula. I tend to say that the best way of determining what's best for the pet is really looking at the pet and looking at the effect it has on the pet. So looking at the skin and coat quality, looking at the volume and the consistency of the stools, looking at the level of energy that the pet has are probably better indicators than really the ingredient list. And the other thing that I think should be top of mind is that the, probably the most important consideration when choosing a pet food would be that the food is safe and that the nutrition is appropriate for the pet. And we hear so many food recalls, not only in pet food, but even in human foods, that food quality and safety are certainly really important. If a client is looking for information about how to how to make those choices, I think there are some resources available. Um, for example, the American Animal Hospital Association, also known as AAHA, has developed a list of questions to ask of any pet food company to help consumers choose the best formula for their pets. Uh, this list of questions can also be found on a website that is called PetFoodNutrition.com. So there are some typical questions there that might be beneficial for um, a consumer to maybe write to a food company. And it asks, 
who does your formulations? Is there a veterinary nutritionist or an equivalent on your staff? Uh, what testing is done? Uh, what quality control measures and safety measures do you use? So those are probably things that are really important to ask. Wow. You're both a wealth of information. This is great. I'm so happy to have you on the program today. But I'm going to hit you with the hardest question yet when we come back from this short commercial break. And it has to do with dealing with a picky eater. We'll be right back. Meet Your Match is the Ontario SPCA's adoption program. It's like eHarmony for pets and adopters. Adopters are able to go into their local adoption centre and fill out a quick and easy survey. The survey then produces a colour which corresponds with a personality type, either orange, green or purple. The adopter can then go through the adoption centre and find a cat or a dog with a matching personality type. This way, we ensure that the adopter is finding a pet that fits best with their lifestyle and family. Visit meetyourmatch.ontarioSPCA.ca today to find your match. Welcome back to Animals Voice Podcast. I'm with Dr. Joanne Pelletier and Dr. Sarah Ritz, either veterinarians with Royal Cannon Canada, and uh, just a wealth of information already given to us today. Really enjoying the broadcast, but I talk to people, and I experience this at home myself with my animals, and sometimes, just like kids, your pet is a picky eater. So I guess what I want to hit you with is what can you do to entice your pet to eat if they are picky? Yeah, and this is something that we actually hear about all the time. So first we have to figure out why they're picky in the first place. Is it because there's something going on? Is there an underlying condition such as an illness or is their dental disease making it painful to eat? Or is it simply because that they've learned if they don't eat their food right away, their owner might try to entice them to eat by adding treats, top dressing, switching their food, or just by giving them attention. So what I usually say is think of it like a child who doesn't want to eat his broccoli because he knows he's going to get a chocolate bar if he waits long <laughs> enough. <laughs> so if your pet is acting picky and you know for sure and you've confirmed with your veterinarian that there are no health concerns, then the important thing is don't let them train you because I think, I think most of us with pets know that they're awfully smart and sometimes they are very good at getting what they want out of us. Oh, they manipulate you. Listen, I've got, I've got a cat right now. I have a cat that I had to switch the food because her she's got kidney issues. And the, so that both cats actually got switched to this different type of kidney food. And they just come and they sit at the bottom of the stairs and they stare at me. They won't eat. They're judging me. They're upset with me. They meow. They're driving the dogs nuts. So it's chaos in my house right now. So I'm experiencing this. You're, you're, you're hitting close to home for me right now. I, I can definitely sympathize. I have one of those at home myself um, and I, I have to keep reminding myself that unlike people dogs and cats don't have very many taste buds so they don't typically get bored of eating the same flavor every day the way people might so when it comes to cats and dogs and and whether or not they're going to be picky or enjoy their meal it's actually the smell and the texture of the food that are more important than how the food tastes so there's actually a lot of research in to developing nutrition with maximal appeal and satisfaction, but sometimes something as simple as warming up a meal to make it smell more strongly will actually cause an animal to try a food that they were turning their nose up at before. So generally, when we see, especially in, for example, your case, when you have a cat that you know they need to eat this formula, mm -hmm. 
Instead of top dressing and switching formulas, we recommend to choose the pet food that provides the right nutrition to your pet. Try meal feeding at consistent times, give them a specific time frame to eat their food in, and if they don't eat it all up, then pick it up and save it for the next meal or give them a fresh meal at the next meal oh, time. It's gonna be chaos tonight at my house. So all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it, <laughs> but I'm gonna be cursing you guys if those cats are keeping me up. Okay, Dr. Joanne Peltier, Dr. Sarah Ritzy, veterinarians with Royal Cannon Canada. We appreciate so much that you joined us this week on Animals Voice Podcast, and we look forward to chatting with you again in the future. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. When we come back, we're going to be uh, meeting one of our staff members here at the Ontario SPCA, Brian, and hearing all about his role. Hi, this is Dave Salmoni from Animal Planet. You're listening to Animals Voice Podcast. Don't forget to be nice to your animals. Welcome back to Animals Voice Podcast. Uh, we're, we're really uh, enjoying this new segment we've introduced. Um, it's Meet the Staff, and I'm with Brian McDonald right now. Brian, how are you, sir? Not too bad. Thank you for having me. Uh, we also have been joined <laughs> since the commercial break by Jet. Jet belongs to Katie, our producer, and um, Jet is a boxa- boxador? Is that what yes. you said? Yeah, a boxer and a Labrador. We think. We're not sure. And Jet is insane and has more energy than most things on the planet. So if you hear a lot of noise in the background right now, it's it's not us throwing things around the room. It's Jet. So just uh, be, be aware of that. So, Brian, we, we've got you here to talk about your role. This Meet the Staff segment is cool because um, so many times we, you know, my role is in fundraising. Katie is in marketing and communications. But as we talk to people externally and tell them about the things that happen in the office, and the different roles. They're always fascinated. So we thought we wanted to start introducing the different people around the Ontario SPCA to our listeners here on Animal's Voice. And uh, that's that's why we invited you down today. What is your job title? Myself, I'm an animal cruelty investigations agent. Okay. Um, I actually started my, my way here at the OSPCA through doing animal control uh, through the contracted municipalities we do. And uh, just sort of through education and expansion, I've made my way up into doing the cruelty investigations, which uh, I absolutely love. Uh, Very stressful, but uh, at the same time, it is incredibly rewarding as well. Making a real impact on animal welfare in our province, obviously, because you're out there on the roads every day investigating these concerns that get reported to us at at 310 SPCA, uh, the the, 24-hour hotline we introduced in 2014. Indefinitely. And I think one of the most important things is not to understress the uh, roles that are the animal control officers play themselves as they often are the first responders to calls and they're the ones who have the best abilities to notice what they're seeing take those visuals and relay them back to our investigations team to give us a really accurate picture about what's going on at a residence or at a property okay I, i want listeners to understand what your day what your average day is like if there's such a thing as an average day for your role and i know that's not the case typically not no uh but you wake up in the morning uh, to, to take us through it. Typically, wake up in the morning. I, I get to the office um, here in the provincial office in Newmarket. I get here for about quarter to nine. Um, I myself work out of the west end of Toronto. So I usually start my day here. And as soon as I've gotten through my paperwork, I've written my initial logs down in my notebook. Um, I'll prioritize my calls as to what seems to be the most uh, emergencies. And uh, from there, I'll head out to do my calls, depending on what that is, whether it's, uh, you know, abandoned animals, allegations of abuse, or uh, persons that have taken an animal to a vet and declined treatment. Um, 
it's a very different day every day, uh, every hour, every call by call uh, is, a, is a different picture and a different adventure. How do you learn how to prioritize? Like you just ran through a bunch of different scenarios and... You know, if I was looking as a layman to that end of animal cruelty investigations, I wouldn't be sure right off the top of my head which is the most serious case. How, like, do you, was that part of the training for your role to learn what are the really serious cases versus Definitely. what can wait an hour or two? Definitely, uh, a lot of a lot of very quality training helped with that. Um, we do have our definitions of distress and immediate distress, and really, what it comes down to is what is the state of the animal at that time. Um, obviously animals that are, you know, if we don't help alleviate the distress, they may die. Those are obviously our higher priority ones. Yeah. If we have concerns about abuse where we don't know if the animal's been injured or not, or the complainant says that the animal doesn't appear to be injured, it was just a little bit of rough handling, those ones are obviously going to fall down to the lower end of our priority scale. Not to say that we don't get to them, we get to with all our calls within 24 hours to 48 hours if we can, depending on our volume. But uh, generally we, we go with uh, preserving life as, as the first and most important calls, and we sort of rank them down through there as they come in. Have you seen a big increase in, uh, in activity since the 24-hour hotline and 310 SPCA number was introduced? Definitely. Uh, a, a lot more work for our dispatchers, as obviously now they're uh, filtering in calls from all around Ontario. Mm-hmm. Uh, previously, we actually were operating on one dispatcher from the hours of 9 to 5. Um, obviously, that has been changed to 24 hours now and all across the province so that uh, people can phone in and speak with a live dispatcher who can give them advice and give them some, you know, mediation over the phone right then and there. Mm-hmm. Do you have advice for our listeners that are, you know, they, they're keeping an eye on things in their neighborhood? They see something that they wonder about? I mean, what would you say to somebody who is considering calling to report an instance of, of concern where an animal is concerned. Well, there's never not a bad time to call. Okay. Um, and and that's the thing, and people have to keep remembering. You know, if you have an if you have a concern and you're wondering if it is a legitimate concern, doing nothing about it does nothing about it. Calling it in, at least having us uh, have wind of it and and get knowledge of it, we can send an agent out there. Uh, if it is on the lower priority things, we will send an animal control officer out there to do a first response and check it out. And at the same time, if our agents are completely and utterly swamped with calls themselves, we all will we will also send in the local police agencies as well. Okay. So it uh, it is definitely a good thing to call in if you have any concerns. Really and truly, any uh, professional body agency that you can call into, whether it's your local municipality, whether it's the SPCA, or whether it's the police. Any one of those phone calls will do good, and it will get relayed to the proper authorities. Okay. I don't want to rush through this segment because, frankly, I think you guys have, your team has the most fascinating role of any here at the Ontario SPCA. Um, but we do need to wrap things up soon. I, I, I want to ask how you cope. Um, I've, I've had the luxury of going out with your team a few times on ride-alongs where I get to see what your regular day looks like. Um, I'm afforded that luxury because I then turn around and I speak to donors about that experience. Yes. And, and it really is effective in me being able to raise funds for this organization. Yes. Um, what I've seen on those days is mind-numbing. Um, you know, I, I see ignorance from people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see frustrating decisions from people. You know, So I think about 
I've done that three or four times. Yeah. I don't know how you do what you do every day and cope. So my very long-winded question for you is, how do you cope? Well, the first thing I always have to do is I always have to keep things in perspective. Um, and, and that's the biggest thing. Uh, always know your, your legislation and your law of what the limits are that you can do and understand when those limits are out of your hands that you have to go to the next level, get to the next authorities and seek help from those people. Whether or not that's on a call or whether that's personal and you need to go and speak with somebody, maybe have an appointment with a doctor or a therapist just to air your grievances, that is going to help me myself. I have a very good sense of humor and I I really don't take a lot of things with a grain of salt. Again, I look at the big picture of life and what is what life is all about. Uh, you know, family and friends are the most important things. Um, as much as I value my job and saving animals and assisting them, when I get home at the end of the night, the important things to me are what I, I keep close. Yeah. Keep your family, keep your friends close, keep those enrichments in your life going because those are what keep you going when you have the tough times. Sure, I know. Uh, I, I just I don't know how you find that separation. I don't know how you find the off switch. If, if you know, and and I don't want, want to belabor it, but uh, you guys do very tough work, and uh, I have the utmost respect for you and your team. Well, you, we, you guys are out there doing tough stuff. We definitely appreciate it. Um, it is a hard job, and and it is uh, it is a reason why you know a lot of a lot of people do need to go and speak with somebody just to help air their grievances yeah. and sort of. Put yourself in another refresh mode, in a reset mode. You know, right. you, you take some time off. We do get luxuries uh, such as able to take good vacation days. We get an, a good number of vacation and health, mental health days, sick days. So, you know, the senior inspectors are really good where they understand if you need a day off to take to yourself, do it. Yeah. You know, we'll, we will find people to help with the coverage and, and alleviate any kind of, uh, you know, additional calls or the call volume, but the most important thing for our officers is their mental health, because without their mental health, they're not able to do the job effectively. Listen, Brian, thank you for coming by. I'd love to have you on as a guest sometime, uh, so we're not just squeezing you in as a meet the meet the guest, uh, or meet the guest, meet, meet the staff segment, but uh, fascinating talking to you. You guys do, like I said, amazing work, and we're, we're all very appreciative, and I think I can speak on behalf of a lot of the listeners as well, saying thank you for everything you're doing every day out there. Not a problem. We appreciate it, and I mean, without the public's assistance, we wouldn't be able to do the job that we do. Yeah, and that's important to to highlight for sure. Uh, Thank you for joining us, and thank you, the listeners of Animal's Voice, for listening, for supporting us, uh, for for all of your show ideas. You can continue to uh, hit us up with ideas by finding me on Twitter, at KevTheGrad, or you can email me at kmckenzie at ospca.on.ca. Until next time, we'll catch you later. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Animals Voice Podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and at our website, ontariospca.ca. Animals Voice Podcast is a production of the Ontario SPCA. The Society would like to thank all of our supporters. Together, we are the Animals Voice. <laughs>